Hello and welcome to How to Win the Lottery, Season 2, Episode 3, The Art of Fielding by Chad Harback. I'm Joey Lewandowski. What up, Joey Lewandowski? Uh, I got nothing. Where do I go from here? I don't know. How are you? Let's start with that. Let's 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 do the thing that I love when podcasters do, which is like when they don't get into the shit that they're supposed to talk about for a while and they just catch up on Mike. Since I hung out with you yesterday and today, I think you know how I am because everything, it's been good. Joey got into a fight yesterday. No, I didn't. I don't. <laughs> He some I admonished we, we, a younger we were, man. We were we were at a concert and two people were talking, and Joey got up in this guy's shit, and he I I, I saw it out of the corner of my eye. He just started waving his hands in the guy's face, and then the guy sort of panicked and ran away. Like I I heard a little whisper where it sounded like Joey like said something like, "I will bust you open like a fucking pinata." And you leaned over. You're like, "What's that all about?" And I'm like. Don't worry about it. I'll tell you later. You like? Do I have to do karate? And I'm like, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. It was cool. How are you? Uh, I have a big announcement that maybe I should save for the Patreon. Uh oh. I'll just say it here. No more wrist pain, baby. All oh! gone. <laughs> that is a that is a Patreon exclusive. <laughs> if you've been following the Patreon saga of me having pain in my wrist for the last five months, four months, whatever that is. Did you make Dylan send you the big-breasted woman anime? Yeah, anime boobs. No, um, no, uh, he didn't send it. Um, that's cool. Uh, it just, you know, it's just a matter of not, um, not jerking off. Oh God damn! Don't eat. <laughs> you know my penis doesn't work, Joey. <laughs> bring all this on, Mike. I guess I did it to myself by by saying, <laughs> "Let's not talk about the book. Let's talk about my personal issues." Bob, what is the art of fielding about? That's a really good question, because I think that, like, there is a surface-level plot thing going on that says it's ostensibly a book about baseball yep. and... and um, At a fictional Midwestern college. Yeah, baseball at a fictional Midwestern college. And then there is a secondary one that is about, like, what it means to be a leader, um, what it means when prodigious talent abandons you, uh, what it means to come to terms with growing up what it means to relive a second adolescence all of those things sure uh what was your favorite part my favorite part yeah pick one of those and 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 we'll oh i was pick one of those things you said or or, or, or make up your own my favorite part was the baseball it was yeah okay we talked about this spoiler i'm gonna read an advance eggs disclaimer at the top of her email I feel the need to have a disclaimer before I begin my email. I did talk a little bit with Bobby about the book, but the following is all of my ideas. Oh, I'm Bobby Fisher, by the way. I didn't introduce myself. That's Bobby Fisher. I want to add on my own disclaimer that we talked en route to that concert where I almost scuffled with the youngin yeah. about this. And I think what I really love about this book is the baseball. It feels like Chad Harbach not only likes baseball, but loves baseball, has probably played baseball, has been around the sport, is appreciative of the sport is able to talk eloquently about the sport, is able to make it to capture the beauty of baseball in in writing in a way that someone who was not either as skilled a writer or, like, passionate about baseball, if you don't have both those things, it's going to fall flat in one way. And I think I, I also think that there is a marriage of baseball and, like, high literature that doesn't exist for other sports, really. There are a lot more good baseball novels than other kinds of uh, sports books. And I think part of that is because the single-mindedness, uh, the the poetry, 
the tension and release of baseball is is simply a much much more poetic game than yep. other sports are true what was your favorite part of the art of fielding the baseball yeah yeah, yeah. To, to 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 the point where like for a book that is as long as it is it's over 500 pages. i wish that baseball had made up a more significant portion of the plot because it's so good yeah my issue with the book is that the first half it's it's not as clean as this but the first half is kind of baseball and the second half is not baseball. In the end, bring baseball comes back. Yeah. But when it devolves or strays into not baseball, it's, I don't know, worse, but different. When it becomes Aff and Light and Pella's yes. narrative. Yeah. Because the, the novel centers around five characters. I guess kind of four and a half. I don't know if Owen really is kind of, I guess if, if, if Owen counts, it's five. Mm-hmm. We had Henry Scrimshander, who is a shortstop. And a prodigious talent who has to be molded into a prospect for Major League Baseball. Arguably by... the book's main character. Certainly certainly the character that sets everything in motion at least twice, if you could argue that there are two inciting incidents in the book. Sure. And he is molded by Mike Schwartz, mm-hmm. who is a senior, the catcher on the baseball team. Well, I guess by the end he's a senior, but he's a year older than Henry. Old and wise beyond his years. Yeah, he's a leader. Uh, he shapes the world around him to make it into what he wants through the exclusive force of his will. And that is similarly in, in different ways, but similarly captured by Gwert Affenlight, the president of the university, the college. Yeah. Who is a 60 some odd year old man whose wife died. She died. Right. And then his daughter, Pella divorces her husband or split, separates from her husband. Just runs away. Yeah. Runs away. Who A much older man that she met when she was in high school or something. She was in high school. And he was like 30. Yeah. And in, in, in like a weird way, this book is about predation with never really saying that it's about predation. Sure. Yeah. Right? Uh, like it's it, the predatory stuff in this book is sort of astroturfed. You 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 just or maybe astroturfed is not uh, uh, paved over um, so that you can like enjoy the book without it being a novel about predation right but like if you really like look at it you're just like yeah this is there's a lot of power dynamics here that are not healthy because the other thing is that you know Pella spends a lot of time comparing her husband David to her father and her father winds up doing exactly what David did not exactly but very close yeah what's the major difference gay stuff yeah major difference is that he is an adult man who is seduces slash is seduced by a college age student yep and pella was a high school girl who was seduced by a college age maybe a little older than college i think he was 30 uh college age man and And they they talk about that a little bit about like at the end when it comes to light that guert is having this affair with owen if it was a woman he's thinking if it was a woman a female student I would still be in trouble, but they'd be like pouring themselves scotch. Well, they're 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 of two minds on it, right? Because like part of him thinks that this is okay because it's a man. Affenlight thinks it's okay. Yeah, I mean they, he says that like earlier in the book. Um, because it's a man, it's, it doesn't seem as predatory because like he's I don't I don't know. It's hard. He also seems like he's being taken advantage of, right? Because he's the naive. His entire life, he's been heterosexual. Yeah, he's so he's a novice to the idea of let's call it Socratic love. 
And so, because I think that fits with the theme of who Guert is. Sure. And so he falls in love with Owen, who is Henry's roommate. Mm-hmm. Owen is an experienced gay man. Yeah. And so, and also Owen, because of his demeanor and stuff, feels aloof, feels... Uh, uh, but like aloof in a, in, a, in a positive way. Yeah, right. Or at nothing, least not in a negative way, in a confident... Right. Nothing affects him. He's yes. calm. He's His uh, nickname is Buddha. Yeah, he's he's a bomb to everyone around him. They, they look to him to guide them. He doesn't get angry. He's a relaxing presence. One of my favorite moments with that is when Owen... And we're jumping all over the place, and we'll get back to where we we're talking about. But when Owen and Mike go to Owen and Henry's room, and it's pretty clear that uh, Henry and Pella had just had sex. Yeah. And Mike's like, so, oh, and you forget to make your bed today? And he's just like, guess it's possible. <laughs> and then Mike finds her underwear and just like, these yours too? And he's just like, ah, probably not. <laughs> it's just like, he, he tries to be so like, n- don't take sides. Yeah. And then just like, I can't, I can't get out of this one. It's just like such a, a kind of a, a low key. Um. So Owen being, being the experienced, uh, the more experienced lover, yep. I guess, though still uh, 22-year-old, 21-year-old, 20, yep. is in some ways like the guider of the relationship with Athenite, who's having his first gay experience. But at the same time, like, uh, and and also is like guiding Athenite toward a more um, environmentally friendly policy with the university. Yep. So he's like influencing all of these things the way that would indicate that the power dynamics are not what they are. Yes. I really, really, really like this book a lot, but in this conversation already, I'm realizing that I'm frustrated by how many threads have, were started and not dived into. Like like what? Well, so like they touch on the fact that Owen is white, both white and black, uh-huh. and they don't really dive into like the meaning, the implications of that, like the environmental stuff. Like it just feels like there are things that like the book could have either been shorter or longer. Yeah. There's basically zero racial politics in the book. Which is it, interesting. It feels kind of like a big deal for being for being about a uh, a athletics like baseball, arguably the most diverse sport. Um, I don't know if that's true anymore. This is a conversation that I've had before. I think I think we think of things as di- diversity, like the NBA is more diverse because there's less white people in it, and like the the NBA right. is a majority black league. But baseball ha- it has. Uh, more white people, sure. uh, Latinos. <laughs> that was the weirdest way you could possibly <laughs> say that word. Because I was gonna say I was I was gonna do the like progressive thing of dropping the, of 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 making it a gender neutral noun, but then I but then it's all I, boys. I was like, yeah, it's all <laughs> it's all because it, like the team is largely white, but Izzy is Hispanic. Yeah, and Owen Owen's is black. black. Um, and then there's and there's a Indian kid on the team, okay. AJ. Okay. Go out of their way to point out that sure. it's a diverse group. But at an elite liberal university that is probably majority white, like, like sure. that one. Uh, but it is it is interesting going back to the like length and the things, it's they don't touch they don't touch on that. But like they make a a big deal about to a certain extent that he is not just white and that his mother is black. Yeah. It's not explored really. I think it's a super light book. I think it's a like very breezy beach read book yeah. that doesn't go deep on things. It's not dark really, although it like faints toward darkness a little bit with with Henry's depression stuff. But by the end, he's okay. Exactly. Yeah, he he comes back around. He may have re-entered a toxic relationship with Mike. Oh, one hundred percent, he did. But that toxic relationship might be what's best for him. So we have so we have the characters. We talked about Henry. We talked about Mike. Talked about Affinlight. Affinlight's daughter Pella. 
mm-hmm. we briefly touched on, but comes back because she's like, I need a, a new direction in life. I'm thinking of enrolling here, much to the joy of her father, who wants nothing more than to be close to his daughter. And then there's Owen. Those are like the five main yeah, characters. Yeah, five main characters, right? And, and so Henry, in a bit of uh, Owen Meany. This is Owen Meany light. An errant throw strikes uh, Owen. Yeah. In the face. Right. When he's when he is in the dugout, uh, Henry, who never makes a mistake ever, like it, to, to the point where he is, when he makes the mistake, he has just tied the record for games in a row at the NCAA level without an error. The Art of Fielding, the title also refers to a book in this world called The Art of Fielding, written by, I guess, like an Ozzy Gian or Ozzy Smith, sorry, Ozzy Smith sort of stand-in. Yeah. Aparicio Rodriguez. Yes. Shortstop for the Cardinals, who is a defensive wizard. And wrote this like Zen and the Art of Baseball kind of book called The Art of Fielding that Henry's obsessed with. Yeah, which book seems to propose that the shortstop controls the game because the shortstop is the uh, center of the of the baseball universe. He controls the action on the field. He controls the vibes of the game. Like the stillness comes from him. If if a shortstop is panicking, if a shortstop is making errors, then the team will fail. But if a shortstop is assured of himself and makes the plays poetically and treats the game like poetry, then uh, the team will succeed, which we see is the case. Because once Henry um, shows up on the team, they they play significantly better than they ever have before. And he does, in the Owen Meany sense, seem to be sort of touched by God in a way that he has like a supernatural ability to understand. There's part of that just innate, but also like he works harder at it, right? Because he's undersized and he's not necessarily a natural athlete, but he's right. smart. He knows where the ball is going based on where the pitch is going before the batter even puts the bat on the ball. Yeah, I mean, this is what, um, you know, we t- I think we talked a little bit about this, but when I was watching The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan thing, yep. they're, like, interviewing Dennis Rodman, yep. who, like, people think is, like, a total bonehead and, like, a, a moron because he has, like, green hair and piercings and stuff. But, like, when they were talking to him, he's like... Oh, yeah, I, like, memorized the shot of every player in the league, and I knew that, like, the the spin that they put on i knew every different player's spin that they put on the ball and i could calculate that spin and the angle of the shot how it like bounces off the glass so i could make those rebounds and it's like oh yeah dennis rodman presents as this like dumb jock but he's actually like one of the greatest rebounders of all time and to be the greatest of all time at literally anything you actually have to be really 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 smart in an interesting way dennis rodman is kind of split into henry and mike right because mike is he presents as the dumb jock yeah. But he's very – his goal – like, he, right. he wants to go to law school, which he does not get into. But he's a sage and a coach and, like, literate and well-read. And then Henry has the, you know, computer brain kind of, but also, like, the, the natural grace. Let's talk about this. Who is the book's main character? I don't know. I think it can't be Henry because Henry doesn't do shit. And it, he's not – he's also not a cipher for the audience. Like, he's not like, oh, we're on the team or whatever. Like, if it was told from, like, right. another character's point of view, it would be like, oh, okay. Like, that's – we're just yeah, along with – Yeah, like, he's a prodigious talent um, who, during this inciting incident where he beans Owen in the face, uh, he uh, loses his ability to throw to first base. Yes. Right? In a, a condition called the Ips um, or Steve Sachs disease, I think they call I it. I think so. 
And and there's a number of players who over the course Chuck of Knobloch, baseball Rick Ankiel, yep. history, this they, they've they've lost the ability to throw. Yep. Uh, whether it be a catcher throwing back to the pitcher or a uh, shortstop being able to throw to yeah, Knobloch could not throw from second base to first. Rick Ankiel could not pitch anymore. He could just like throw wide. Yeah. That's another thing I like about this book is that it, it takes actual baseball history and applies it to this fictional world. Right. This psychological breakdown that happens in. Uh, this college, but like also very much happens in real life. Yeah. The, the yips is a real thing. Uh, it just happens to people. What no, you were saying is scary. It's terrifying to me. This idea that you could like w- one day just lose something that you were so good at. I mean, it's a, similar to the way that like psychotic breaks are scary. Like, like you wake up and one day it's like, oh, reality is different. And I, I, I can no longer like see the world the same way that other people see the world. And I need to be hospitalized for that. Yep. Uh, that's like a terrifying, terrifying thing to me. The book is basically told not first person point of view, but like sort of third person point of view, third person omniscient yeah, or whatever. Close, close third. Th- close third from like the five main or four main, mm-hmm. not, not really Owen as much, but the other four characters are kind of like the focus of different chapters, right? And when we're in Henry's head, sort of, kind of, I do think that the way that Harbach writes him, like, pumping and, like, re-gripping and gripping and grip, like, feels real. Like, it feels, like, it feels well-written. Absolutely. Um, And, and, like, you could make an argument for Henry being the main character based based on that, and that, like, emotionally the weight of the novel seems to fall on him. I'm way more emotionally invested in what's going on with Henry than I am in what's going on with Affenlight. So sometimes, and I don't think this book nails it in a way that other things, but like sometimes when there's multiple characters, like the best kind of things that bounce back and forth, every time it moves to a different character, you're like, I want more of that last guy or whatever. Yeah. But then you're like, oh, but I also want to know what's going on with this new guy. But like go to Affenlight and just like, I don't like I don't dislike it, but it's it's I think inherently less interesting. Hey, part of it is part part of it is that that Affenlight story and they talk about this in the book is something that we've seen a million times. Yeah. Right. Like they're like, albeit the like kind of gay twist on it. But like he talks about it. he's like he's like teachers sleeping with their students is like the second great topic of literature and the first great topic is just infidelity yep right so it's like that when when we move toward that it's like this is kind of old hat it's wearing a a pretty outfit because it's like uh sort of more modern more woke whatever yeah uh, arguably maybe less woke it's all stuff that you've seen before right like like maybe the difference is that there's no like you never feel like it's evil you never like like I, well, I didn't think about Affenlight like this well, guy's doing a bad thing. He's genial. He's likable, and I think because we're in his head, yeah. it's sort of we know why. We sort of know how he feels, and because he is the novice, because he's someone who's who's just like you know he's nervous about it. He's it, it would be interesting if we were in Owen's head what he actually thought. Like if he was always enamored, because he said by the end he kind of seems like oh I've always whatever, but like I don't know if that's true or not, or if he's just saying that. You know what I mean? Like at at Affenlight's sort of like second obituary or, or second, you know, yeah, burial beautiful. or whatever. It's beautiful, but you do like throughout, you've sort of gotten the sense that Owen is just like, yeah, this is like a, a, a fling. Right. He's going to Tokyo. He's not, he probably, might not come back if he, I mean, he has no reason to come back because he'll be, he'll be graduated. Although it does seem like if it was just a fling, what eventually leads to, I don't want to say Affenlight's a downfall, but like what leads to him getting caught, they go on a date. And they yeah. go to a motel, and then they come back. Because right? Owen is like, you, you never take me out. Like, we can't be yes. a couple. Which is... So we have to leave town and go to a motel or whatever. Which is, I think, if it was just a fling, he wouldn't have put that effort in, I think. Which also, though, by the way, is another cliche. Like, that is, like, a, a cliche of infidelity 
literature. This idea, like, oh, you always keep me right chained up, and we like we never get to go out. And then when they go, when they finally do go out, they get caught because they needed to be public. What is interesting and unique, and then never addressed again about that affair? Well, actually, two. So I want to go back to the Owen thing. If we were in Owen's head, I think it would be. I think we might think less of Affinite. I yeah, think maybe because I think he'd be like, oh, he's just like this creepy old guy. Like I'm just trying to like sleep with like hot young college guys and yeah. like. This guy is, like, always around or whatever. And, like, I like him and he's smart, but, like, mm. Yeah, you're not clued into his, the vibe that's being given off of his his own personal innocence. Yes. Another thing about the different perspectives is that I feel like they're all kind of written similarly. Okay. Do you agree or do you not agree? I, I don't think there's, like, a great difference in voice. I think the biggest attempt at difference in voice is Owen. Owen's voice rings false to me. But Owen's also not, like, a main character. Right. But what I think is interesting, the, the, the nice sort of twist on the affair subplot that, again, is not addressed again, that Henry's mom is the one who finds them. Yeah, which is uh, you have to understand that as a reader. It's not written out for you. It doesn't sp- like explicitly it's say that mentioned it's once and then that's it. But even when it's mentioned, it's not it's not explicitly said that it's Henry's mom. Right. No, it's, ju- it's just like it happened to be a motel. And you know that Henry's parents were in town that week. Well, no, because they say, oh, a, oh yeah, a parent, right. a parent. And that the student's not on the team anymore. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it could be theoretically somebody else, but like it's Henry. Right. But, but, but you, they never say it's yeah. Mrs. Scrimshander. Yeah. yeah. And and uh, and you rewind then to her concern that uh, Henry has a gay roommate. Yeah. In the beginning when she's like, do you think maybe you. Want to switch rooms? Want to switch rooms? Yeah. yeah. Well, like, what's that about? We're not hateful people, but like, I think that's a very, I think that's interesting. I think it's a nice payoff that is just not addressed, really. No, I, I, I like it like that. I like that it's like I know. I, I, yeah, I like that it's just trusting the reader to make the 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 to draw out whatever conclusions they want. But a similar sort of thing that I feel could have been explored more, but maybe not. Maybe it's better this way. Is that like I think Henry's sister is a great character, or a very interesting character. I think their dynamic is good, and she's in the very beginning, and she's in one scene toward the middle end, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Did you like their dynamic? Or I, no? Yeah, no, I did, and I liked I liked her being in the in town, and I liked her getting drunk and making out with Starblind, and her being like this dramatic fulcrum on which we have to like rest this idea of henry going missing on yep. the night that she's around she's she's in town um and then yeah she disappears and she never comes back she's a 17 year old high school student who doesn't live close like they have to drive pretty far to get there wants to party right and i understand that like there's not a, a real organic way that she could just fit into the narrative but also if this were a tv show she would be guest star twice next season she would be a freshman at the college and become part of the main cast yeah. But which well, is why it's good that things like this aren't TV shows. Do you think is it would it be better if it if it was adapted? Because I did you read the wiki? No, <laughs> he looks so scared. They were I, like, I, I stand a fear of your judgment. I think they tried to adapt it twice and it just didn't work. And I don't know why. Like, there's not like a huge. Yeah, it seems like it would be fairly straightforward. Do you think it'd be better as a movie or a TV show? Is, is the question? A I was movie. Gonna, I don't, just you, a simple you, movie. You don't need to like a sports narrative really only works as a movie what about our upcoming no, no, no. comedy series the pen oh pen 15 <laughs> no not that no i know um <laughs> what do you think i was gonna say that you were like warning me off i well i thought you're gonna try to try to trip me up by saying friday night lights 
Um, and then I was going to have to go into a whole thing about why Friday Night Lights doesn't really work as a sports uh, thing. Well, because that doesn't really get football right, but that's... It's in yeah, and yeah. also it's just like state championship, no state championship, state championship. There's only really like one or two things that can happen. Hail Mary with two minutes left? Okay. Right, yeah, over and over again, right? Because yeah. that's how... But, but um, the the uh, that's like a small town story, so yes, it has to be correct. a small town story. The same way that this is a, a small college story yes. and is not necessarily a sports story because like... Even though it ends at kind of ends at the national championship, that's where the climax is. It, it, that the, doesn't matter. The national championship doesn't matter. Right. It's not part of like like that's not the story. And like what we think is the sports story, which is like the rise of Henry. Let's get back to the the conversation about who the main character is. Right. That story gets completely ditched. Right. It's just yes. like it's like oh, you think this is going to be the thing? Guess what? The sports guy that we've been following. He's not on the team anymore. Which is interesting. That's a that's a bold move to make. Yeah. He's no, like, you were so invested in him breaking this record and getting back from from his, uh, like, like, it seems like it's going to be a story about him clawing his way back in, to be able to play baseball again after having his game destroyed by this uh, incident of hitting Owen with the, with the ball. And that doesn't happen. He doesn't get his game back. It's not, I mean, by the end, you can argue that he's trying to get his game back, but it's right. still not there. We don't know what happens with him. And what's what feels strange is we see him spiral into a depression yeah. where he's almost literally not eating. He's not eating. And he's pissing in cups and leaving them in, yeah. in places. And he's not eating soup. He's leaving the soup. He's not shaving. He's not, not. showering. He's not going out. Um, he's, he's bathing. Well, he's lying in the bathtub. Oh, is the bathtub not filled with water? I don't know. I assumed it was because he was naked. You could just lie in the bathtub naked. Uh, yeah, true. We've all done it. We don't see him get better. Like that's rushed through. Better, quote unquote, better. Like his whole like therapy thing. Like we don't we don't follow him. To oh, therapy. he goes to a psychiatrist for yeah. bulimia and depression. The the quick background is that Mike is this you know very talented, not necessarily the best player on the team, but like a very talented baseball player, very talented football player, leader, shaper of men, coach who is using his influence to to build an athletic program at Westish. So he recruits Henry, blah, 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 whatever. And so by the end, by his senior year, by Henry's junior year, the team actually has a chance to, like, go pretty far. And so that's when Henry, you know, gets the yips, leaves the team, and they continue to win in spite of Henry. Which is another subversion of whatever sports story we thought we were going to learn. That's yes. Because it seems like, oh, Henry's not there anymore. He's goodbye to all of our chances but like yes. it it does that thing um tom has a name for it I, I don't i don't remember what it is but it's it's like a thing that happens in sports which is where the best player on a team leaves and then the team inexplicably gets better yeah uh because all of a sudden they start playing more like a team and yeah. it's no longer focused on that one person and it becomes like now we have to survive in spite of this person so we all have to step our game up and so Starblind gets better uh izzy gets better uh, Schwartz, I don't know if Schwartz gets better, but he's still, he still keeps doing his he's thing, leading the league in home runs or whatever. And so, like, he leaves sort of midway toward the end of the regular season. They make it through all the you know regional and conference and finals or whatever, they get the national championship, and then Henry shows up there, right? Yeah. But like his that's his like sort of triumphant return, and that also feels not rushed, but the whole like Affen like dying basically off camera, like we see him coughing and like having heart like having heart palpitations or whatever, but like. Yeah, well, I, let's let's yeah. let's get to that in a in a bit. But like, let's so, so again, the reason why I don't think that Henry functions as a main character for the story, Henry's actions until the very end when he leans into the pitch, don't mean anything to the narrative. Everything is acted upon him. He is full of 
inaction. I guess the only other action is that he sleeps with Pella. But even that is like a function of Pella's own personal depression. Yep. He's that guy because he because the world is acting upon him. Sure. He's not a, like Schwartz is the one that takes him in. He goes to college because of Schwartz. He becomes a, a good batter because of Schwartz. He becomes in, he gets in shape because of Schwartz. Yeah, like Schwartz is his uh, his guide. So nothing Henry does is because of Henry's own volition. Yeah, he doesn't do anything. He's a, he's a completely passive character um, until the very end when he leans into the ball. But, but that, that's not enough for me. But for, he is the one that like connects everything, right? He's the, in, the he's the inciting incident, right? He, uh, he there are, I guess two inciting incidents. One being Schwartz's recruitment of Henry, and then Henry's hitting Owen in the face with the ball. Because Henry's hitting Owen in the face with the ball also allows Affenlight the excuse to visit Owen in the hospital, which allows him to get close to Owen, literally and figuratively. It also breaks Henry and Schwartz's relationship. In a way where Schwartz can no longer really confide in Henry because uh, he doesn't want like Henry doesn't function as a friend to Schwartz because Schwartz like when Schwartz is going through stuff, he can't tell Henry about it because he's afraid that he's going to like mess up his game further. The Schwartz Pella stuff like is like a lot of their interactions is like a result of Henry's failures. Um, so Henry as a passive character has this widespread in, uh, influence over the text, but it's not like Henry as a character, it's Henry as an incident that does that, yeah. right? On the other hand, Schwartz is a guy that moves, ev- like, almost everything that happens in the text happens because of Schwartz's actions. Right. He's the one that pushes everything forward, right? He's the one that recruits Henry, he's the one that, like changes the entirety of the Westish academic program. He's the one who tries but fails to get into law school, which makes him like a depressed person, which sort of puts him in the arms of Pella. He's the one that chases Pella away because of Henry. There's like a million things that that Schwartz does, but like Schwartz is what Schwartz does and doesn't do is the result of action rather than inaction. So like, I think that Schwartz is the main character of the text because Schwartz is the person that is like actually doing stuff. Schwartz is also easily the best character in the book. Yeah. The most fun, the most compelling. And I think just one of the better, like any of the books that we've read, the like the 14, whatever books we've read for this podcast is just like, He's just a, he's a great, he's a really well-written, interesting, yeah. fun character. Power rankings of people that we've read about that you'd want to hang out with. It's yeah. like Schwartz is at the, probably number one. I think Owen would also be fun to hang out with. Mostly because most of the books that we've read have been like about her horrible things happening to people <laughs> and people who are, you know. I agree that Owen, but Owen could probably be pain in the ass too. What I'd like to see is a Schwartz-Owen buddy comedy. Owen Meanie? No, I meant Owen. Okay. This I, I thought I thought you were talking about Owen Meany. Is that a new segment? Who would we hang out with? Power power rankings of hangs. All right, we're gonna. So I'm I'm listening to with Gorley and Russ. And I was saying this to some, maybe to you, I think. But like Matt on his window, like has all like the history of Friday Thirteenth, like where things happen. Mm-hmm. We gotta have like on my wall, like a power ranking of. I'm gonna go to Walmart after we after you leave, and I'm gonna buy a whiteboard, and we're gonna have a power ranking, and we're gonna leave space in between. We're gonna. Have, I love I love this. Are you really going to do that? Yeah, we can do that. And this will be a Patreon bonus episode for next week. Okay. <laughs> Plus the other thing that we can't talk about. My wristband being better? No, the thing that we do every week that we're not talking oh, about. Oh. The secret. Yes. Wink. But yeah, I'm going to buy a whiteboard and we're going to do it. And we're going to have like who the cool characters are. All right, yeah. Schwartz is at the top. Schwartz is at the top. Owen's at the top. Owen Meany's at the top too. Because he's like, how do you not love that guy? 
friendship takes practice. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't think you could really argue that Pella is not the main... Pella is tangentially, but I think the the book is largely... It's not the same, but I think it's largely similar if she's not involved. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think there is a version of this book where you can cut out all of the Athenlite stuff. Yes. Both Pella and and uh, Guert and, and just make it a baseball book. And it's like 200 pages shorter and maybe Better. a stronger book. I don't want to think about it like this because I like the book and I don't want to think less of the book. But in a way, it feels like Pella is there to give Mike a happy ending. I think she's also there to have a female character in the book. But I, I mean, I get that. But also, I don't know that you, need, you don't need it. Yeah. Can just be a baseball story because she's also kind of a cliche too, and like I think they almost admit as much, right? Like mm-hmm. she's the younger woman seduced by an older man, trying to impress her daddy, in love with her dad to a certain extent, like you know, looking for a guy who like can em- emblematically replace her father or whatever, and then rebelling against him by choosing the, the dumb jock in Mike, but then realizing that Mike's actually like her dad, like yeah, he's not dumb at all. <laughs> she's she's a string of cliches. Greek. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like Pella though. I like Pella. And this is something that we talked – oh, maybe maybe this was the conversation that I had with Megan, not you. Whereas Prep was a novel that I liked that was entirely full of characters that I didn't like. And so, like, their actions when bad things happen to them, I didn't care yeah. necessarily. This book is entirely full of bad things happening to characters that I like. Yeah. Right? Like, every single one of them I, I like. Although Henry tests my patience a little because it's like – he should not sleep with Schwartz's girlfriend. Even though it leads to one of the better scenes in the book. What's the better scene? In the, in the locker room. Mike oh. asking everybody if they, if they care that he slept with Pella. And they're like, yeah. No, I guess not. I like, I, 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 I like the part where Mike goes, uh, I think Mike asks him or says, you fucked my girlfriend. And then Henry just goes, I fuck all your girlfriends. And it just like makes no sense at all. I think that's the same scene. Yes. <laughs> sure, Henry. Whatever, man. So I think in terms of the main characters, it's either... I guess it's it's one of three things, and this is kind of cliche and dumb, but it's either Henry or Mike or just Westish. But I don't think the breadth is wide enough to really be Westish. I think it's kind of Gwert, too. Even though you're saying you could cut him out. I, I think you could cut him out. You could also cut out the baseball stuff and make it just a Gwert story, but that's, like, <laughs> not... Yeah, that, that, that's a novella, and it's not a good one because it's cliche. Have you ever heard people refer to as fresh persons? No. Instead of saying freshman, they say fresh person to be like gender neutral. Uh, exclusively, they say fresh person. But it's not just like, it's not like Henry referring to it. It's just like there's like the report, like the local beat reporters like, oh, this fresh person. It's just like, wait, everybody in this universe says fresh person? Yeah, it's not It's not something I'd ever heard before. And it's something that just came up in, in this book. And, and Here's a question for you. I'm just looking through my notes now. And I don't know that this matters, but it was something that I did. I genuinely didn't know how to read, interpret in the book. Pella is married to David, who is this older man financially takes care of her is just like just do your art baby you're a great artist do your art and she's like i'm trapped and she runs away yeah so then he shows up to westish like halfway through the novel and they go out to dinner and it's the same night that guert and owen have their date guert was supposed to go with pella and he just like abandons her she's like no that's fine and like kind of just like sour about whatever but david is like don't you remember we had sex all the time recently you just didn't remember like i got you these earrings and like is he gaslighting her? Is she actually forgetful? Does it matter? But it feels like we're like it's we're and we're verging down a path of like this is a different novel. This is it's like, like a postmodern novel about perspective. Yes, and uh, again, that's not brought up again. Yeah, and David completely disappears from the text after that. He doesn't come back at all. I don't even know if anyone ever mentions him again. I believe her partially because I think that he 
is clearly a manipulative predator. Yes. So, like, in, in this case, why not just believe her? Because she also says, like, oh, he always does this. Like, he'll he'll buy me something nice as a way to, like, cover up other things. But he's like, don't you remember when I gave these before, you forgot him at home or whatever. Just like, well. But it feels like a, oh, no, like, the world is, like, crumbling. I mean, I know that it is. But, like, it, it was effective in a way that the novel didn't do before yeah. or after. Right. Because she, she's like, oh, we haven't had sex in over a year. And he's like, what are you talking about? We had sex on Christmas Day. Yeah. I remember because I gave you this. And then he. Which is a real weird move. But, I mean, I guess it probably has worked on her in the past right so i think that's like textbook gaslighting oh yeah to, to, to use a phrase that is uh, taken on a lot of water when henry and pella have sex it's like very violent like they're both he, going he, through he, shit he bruises her too yeah a lot of bruises in this like mike punches starblind yeah have you ever punched in the stomach before no no interest. I've punched in the stomach a bunch of times, and I've never, I've never gotten a bruise on my stomach. Well, you never got punched by Mike Schwartz. That's true. Yeah, never. I never been punched in the stomach by like a grown up who is like a almost a professional athlete. Also, I don't want to. There's no way I can say this. It's half meant as a joke, but also half meant as a way to, to defend the novel. And I, it's only going to come across as an insult. And I'm so sorry. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm preparing. I'm sharpening my knives. Like, have at me, buddy, because I'm gonna fuck you up. Starblind is like shredded and cut and like. Can I oh, show you a picture? No, I don't want to see your stomach from like college. I'm gonna show you my stomach now. No one wants to see you. Yeah, it's like it's, it's like. <laughs> there is. Remember when you used to take notes before we did these podcasts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I listened to the first episode. It was the only episode that I've listened to, and I have like all this smart stuff to say about postmodernism. And now it's just like, <laughs> let me show you a picture of my belly. <laughs> No, you don't like getting punched in the stomach. You know, that's not you don't bruise there. Uh, maybe he's got a blood disorder. Yeah, what's with the name Starblind? It's a cool name. It's not a real name. No, it doesn't sound like a real name. Starlight, Starbright. And there's another character named Quentin Quisp. There's a guy named Quentin Crisp who is a like philosopher. Should we talk about? I don't know if there's anything to talk about, but Henry gets to the game at the end. That Affenlight is going to go to support Owen, but Affenlight is like. I can't go. This is a bad idea. I'm under investigation for this relationship. Henry should go. I'm also going to die tonight. And so he sends Henry and Henry shows up. And then Henry, like, play is the first base coach. Yeah. I, I liked that the team, like, was – he rallied around him in a way. Like, it felt, it felt real, I think. Because he's worried that they're going to hate him. They're not going to want to see him there, that he's going to be a curse to the team. He's going to bring the team down. The team is going to lose because he abandoned them and showed up at the end to sort of claim glory or whatever. Yeah, I don't, the only person that seems mad at him is Mike. And even Mike, or he's worried about Mike, but Mike's just like, come on, Mike, come on. Yeah. He waves him down too. Because he, because Mike says he has a strong premonition that Henry's going to show up. Yeah. Does it feel real? Do you think if this was real, do you think Henry would go? No. And then if he did go though, would they have welcomed him in? Probably not. Like that kind of a uh, well, it depends. I mean, like he he without without any other way to describe it, he quit on them. Yes, it depends if how much they know about his situation, because it's like if he if if they're aware that he's suicidally depressed and hasn't eaten in a, a weeks or a month, which I don't think that they would. Mike probably knows because you have to imagine that Pella is telling him, or no, Pella hasn't talked to Mike in Mm-mm. in all that time. So yeah, why would they? No. Um, Owen knows that he hasn't been back to the dorm. Mike knows that he's living with Pella. But which he's probably angry at both of them for that happening. Yeah. I don't think the team would, would welcome him back. Okay. 
but they don't see that nobody seems especially pissed at him when he leaves except for Mike. And that's because Mike put in all this work to make him into this player. And then to have him leave after that without fixing the problem feels like a more a failure of like Mike thinks of that as a failure of himself. So here's the thing. The book is radically different. If Henry does not get the yips, gets drafted in the third round, the first round, whatever, he's not with Mike or, or is the, is Mike's plan to follow? Cause he wants to go to law school, right? Like he's not going to follow Henry to the Cardinals or whatever. No matter how this ends, Mike's not happy. Yeah, because he's he's been offered the position at Westish, and he's like, no. Even in the end, he says yes. But he says yes to stay with Pella, right? I think so. I think it's also he he comes to terms with the fact that like, that's his I life. have no other options. Yeah, he's it's what he's good at. It's yep. what he should do. He's not a lawyer, but it's a bummer, right? Yeah. It's not what he wanted to do. No. So so like it is a sad ending for Mike. The one thing I don't like about the book. Like, the one thing that I can, like, I think objectively almost, like, fully say I do not like is that I think it ends too neatly. That Henry returns to the team. He and Mike are back on good terms, even though it's probably a toxic relationship. Pella has no, you know, they have, like, a farewell to Affenlight. Pella is exactly where she wants to be. Mike is with her and, you know, back with Henry. And, like, I, it all could crumble, like, a day after the, the novel ends. Yeah. But it ends so cleanly for everyone. Well, also the the uh, final act after the national championship game, after Guert Affenlight has passed away, and after they uh, well, the other thing that we should talk about is whether or not he killed himself. After Guert has passed away, they decide that he would have wanted to be buried in the lake, so they're going to dump his body in the lake. And there is a part where. Pella brings this up to Mike, and Mike says, that sounds like something that people do in books, but not in real life. Yeah. And it's like, yes, exactly. That's exactly true. So why are you doing it in this book? Right. It feels completely fabricated, like a superficial way to wrap something up that has been mostly realistic to this point. Yeah. Um, and I think that a lot of books have that problem. A lot of books have the problem of being like, we have to tie this narrative up. When it's like, you don't have to tie it up. You don't have to tie anything up. Well, that's, and that's your big thing. That's your big issue with like every book that we read. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's, too, books, yeah. it's too neat. It, uh, especially books that are like... You know, it was my my real big problem was with ducks because like that was right. not a traditionally told narrative. So to end it with the traditional right. arc, um, so I have less of a problem with this. But the problem that I have with this is that they call it out. They're like, this yeah. is a, a traditional ending to a traditional book. Which at the end of the day, I think it is. I think it is a traditional book. It's just like it 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 almost fools you with the the, the glossy veneer of like a cool baseball story. Yeah. So did Affen like kill himself? I don't think so. I don't think so either, because he's talking about having a fucking heart attack for the last, like, 30 pages. I think he unintentionally kills himself by, like, destructively living. And ignoring that he has, like, these things that are clearly signs of a heart attack. Right. That's what I mean. Like, not not the destructively living in terms of, like, throwing his career into the wind by having an affair with a student. I'm saying, like, chain smoking while being like, God damn, my chest hurts. <laughs> yeah. Let me light up another cigarette. And never going to see the doctor. Right. And even though he knows that this is a problem in his family, et cetera. But, like, at the end of the book, it really kind of presses you to think, like, like they want you to think that maybe he killed himself. And that was, I didn't like that scene either. When, like, Pella gets called into the dean, dean the student's office or whatever, and she's just like... She's smarter than that dude because she's like able to c- control the conversation in a way that like oh so if you know about it, everybody else knows he's like no 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 just these like just like these three or four people like it's fine the point of that conversation he wants to know if he killed himself and she's like wait what why like that it feels like it comes out of nowhere like that's not even a thing that's not even a thought in my mind until he like that character that we've never really met before is just like but what about this 
Yeah. Also, it just seems he would never do that. No. Like, he's in the clear. Why would he call her in and be like, but did he? I mean, he wants to uh, feel guilt-free about it, but I just don't. Like, honestly, in, in the school's mind and that guy's mind, this is the best possible ending. I mean, you don't want a guy to die, but, like, you don't right. force a guy out. Yeah. There's no scandal. Mm-hmm. But then he's, like, calls in the daughter and is like, so did your dad, uh, did he did he kill himself? It's like, why why do that? I don't know. It doesn't make sense. It feels, it's another, like, thing that, like, we don't need that as readers either. It no. doesn't add anything to the story to think nope. that maybe he killed himself. And again, not a thing I thought of. Right. Until he's just like, what if... What else about this book? Is there anything left to talk about? It, it might be corny. It might be too clean of an ending, but I got chills at the at the final two paragraphs where... I don't even remember what the final two paragraphs are. So they're on the baseball diamond. So they... Owen and Pella and Mike and Henry dig up Garrett's body mm-hmm. and they go out in a boat and they jump up in the lake, right? Pella goes off to work. Owen goes to the airport. Mike and Henry go to the baseball diamond. Henry goes to short and he's wearing Schwartz's glove. Mike's just hitting on ground balls. And he's throwing, he's throwing, like, he's, it's terrible. And he throws, like, 49, 48, 49, whatever, and he keeps missing the shovel. And then he dings one. Yeah. And then Mike goes, oh, there's there's one more. Because, like, that's the thing that's run throughout the entire thing. Like, you could always do one more. Yeah. Because Pella's like, I don't, like, when do you stop doing pull-ups? He's like, I don't know, you can always do one more. Just, you can, like, you, you keep can have it. an off day, but you can never take a day off. Right. And I just think it was, like, a really entering into the toxic relationship, but I just think it's a great Really, like, I just, like, that's a perfect ending, I think. Yeah, this is a part that I thought was was really good. It's probably about two-thirds of the way through the book. I'm going to read, it's going to be quite a bit here. All he'd ever wanted was for nothing to ever change, or for things to change only in the right ways, improving little by little, day by day, forever. It sounded crazy when you said it like that, but that was what baseball had promised him, what Westish College had promised him, yep. what Schwartzy had promised him. The dream of every day the same. Every day was like the day before, but a little bit better. You ran the stadium a little far- faster. You bench-pressed a little more. You hit the ball a little harder in the cage. You watched the tape with Schwartzy afterward and gained a little insight into your swing. Your swing grew a little simpler. Everything grew simpler, little by little. You ate the same food, woke up at the same time, wore the same clothes. Hitches, bad habits, useless thoughts, whatever you didn't need slowly fell away. Whatever was simple and playful, sorry, simple and useful remained. You improved little by little till the day it all became perfect and stayed that way forever. He knew it sounded crazy when you put it like that. To want to be perfect, to want everything to be perfect. But now it felt like that was all he'd craved since the day he'd been born. Maybe it wasn't even baseball that he loved, but only this idea of perfection. A perfectly simple life in which every move had meaning, and baseball was just the medium through which he could make that happen. It sounded crazy, sure. But what did it mean if your deepest hope, the premise on which you'd based your whole life, sounded crazy as soon as you put it in words? It meant you were crazy. Yeah. I love that. I highlighted that too. I that, that that's great because it's like that's what that's in a lot of ways that's the American dream, right? This idea that you like your life continually becomes simple because all of the problems that you had in your past slowly move away. You need a girlfriend, you get a wife. You're married forever. You don't ha- have those relationships. You don't have that longing and loneliness. You need a job. You need money. You get a job. You have that job until you're retired, slowly accumulating things until whatever. You rent until you buy a house and then, you're, and then your housing situation is taken care of. Like one by one, those things happen. But like the reality is that like that's not true for almost anybody. Like, all of those things are real things, but they're also things that have all their own sets of problems, and things don't get more perfect as time goes on. Things get more complicated as time goes on. They get harder to deal with. They get—maybe they don't get harder to deal with. I mean, the the point is that it's different for every person, right? There is this idea being sold, but the selling is much more simple than the thing itself. And 
something that is good about sports narrative is good about this narrative and and part of what is going on with Henry is the yeah. lie that he's been sold. But one of the few places where perfection can be achieved is yep. in sports. You can literally throw a perfect game. Yeah, you can throw a perfect game. There's that the the John Boyce Felix Biederman documentary about um, mixed martial arts. It goes into this huge political backstory, both on the sport itself, but on what's going on in the world around that time. And it's like you're making more money and your money is worth less. Your college degree is worthless. The economy collapsed. There's no jobs. But like one thing that you can be sure is true is if you put two people in a ring and tell them to fight, the tougher person will beat the shit out of the other person. You can you can trust in sports. So like that's kind of what the what this book is 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 about. Yeah. But then it like compl- it, it makes that more complex by saying like, okay, but even this perfect athlete, even this like Terminator, can short circuit. Yeah. Yeah. It can completely become someone who like uh, is infiltrated by the pressures of the real world. Whether those pressures be like the sudden violence of accidentally hitting your friend with a baseball. Although that's not the thing. That's not the thing that fucks Henry up. Something unknown fucks Henry up because Henry would never throw the ball that hits Owen. Right. Right. So it's like, it's still, it's an, uh, it's a complete unknown. I think it's just the pressure. It's the fact that he's been building toward this thing and the thing is here and he's about to tie or eclipse his hero. And then he's like being told, Hey, you're around the corner from superstardom and fame. And also maybe he's afraid of being a small fish in a big pond. Right. And the around the corner from superstardom and fame is not things getting simpler. It's things getting more complex. What I think is interesting, there's another line that I think comes shortly after that long thing, because this is after he's spiraled. Mm-hmm. And I think this is after he and Pella have sex. And it's very short. And she says, people thought becoming an adult meant that all your actions had consequences. In fact, it was just the opposite. Like sometimes you just... That's absolutely true. You just do things. It's, it's like something that I talk to with my students all the time, because they're like... You know, all they've been told is people won't stand for that in the quote unquote real world. And it's just like, if you work in an office, you know what's going to happen is that the asshole who does no work and fucks off for six hour lunch breaks is going to get paid more than you. Yep. And like there, there's going to be a million excuses and that guy's going to get promoted and you're going to get fucked because um, the world's unfair and nothing really matters. Yep. That's partially not true in sports. Like sports is one of the few meritocracies that exist in the world. Sure. Now there, there are curveballs to that. You're you're calling Kaepernick baseball and, joke and more of a reference than a joke, I guess. Um, there, there, you know, there's your Colin Kaepernick's and your, sure all, all sorts of things. That, well, that's, that's when something supersedes into sports, right? Yeah. That's not like if it was just sports, right? It would not be a thing. So like on a perfect day, you can throw a perfect game yep. and, and that's that. Yep. And you were the best person on that day. And yep. that's all there is to it. The perfect day doesn't really exist for office bullshit. Nope. Most people are just trying to get through. It's not about poetry. It's not about, uh, well, I think that's also like the, it's the American dream. And it's just like the, okay. So like you need the wife and the house and the job and the two and a half kids and the picket fence and the dog. Yeah. Cool. Although it would be freaky to have a half a kid. Right. But now you're 35, and you have another 30 years at your job, yeah. and now you've accomplished everything. So, like, kill yourself, I guess? Well, yeah. I guess I'm, I'm 38 and a half. I'm, oh, God. <laughs> All right, let's call Matt. He's not going to answer. He's I on know. vacation. Yes. 
What's up? You okay? Yeah, we're 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 podcasting is now. I know we're on. I know you're on vacation, but you just texted Crab Flag, so we figured we'd give you a call. Oh, thank God, I was worried. <laughs> I'm glad you laughed no. there. I, I I was worried about Joey too, and I'm here <laughs> in the room with him. Well, it sounded like you like you 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 snuck out of a room to like take my call in secret. Me? No, I was. I'm actually. I'm hanging up all the shit from uh, walking in the door. Oh no, everything's yeah. fine. Do you want to you want to yeah. play a game of judge a book by its cover? Hell yeah! And this is exciting. It's an exciting one because this is a book you've read. <laughs> so I know. Okay, I know where we're at. The um, Art of Fielding. Yeah, the Art of Fielding. Chad Harbach. It's kind of a simple cover. It's while while the text comes through to you, as you, I'm sure you have. It's just it's a blue cover, white text. You know, appropriate for the time, even though this is going to come out after the World Series ends. Kind of reminiscent of like the Atlanta Braves coloring, maybe, maybe the kind of A. But uh, what you got here? National bestseller, New York Times book review, best book of the year. Wow. Well, like we've discussed privately, I, I clearly don't remember anything about this book because uh, everything that I've mentioned to you guys, you said was not actually in the book. No, it's in the book, but it's so. like four pages. You're like, the only thing I remember is he like loses his mind and goes out in the woods for three nights. It's like a four page thing in the middle of the book. That did happen. It okay, did happen. Good. Yeah. I just hadn't gotten there yet when you uh, said that. Ah, so was it was it a memorable sequence? <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he puts on a weighted vest and goes swimming into the middle of a lake, which is pretty scary, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, okay. All right, let me look at this picture. Hold on. Wonderful. A novel that is every bit as entertaining as it is affecting, says the New York Times. The art of fielding. Yeah, yeah, okay. I remember this. I personally find it striking, but I can't. I, 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 can't, cool. I can't explain why I like it. What I see is it looks like a hand-painted sign, and that reminds me a lot of, like, old-fashioned baseball stadiums that would have, like, uh, old-fashioned advertisements all over the outfield. That's cool. So it kind of feels like that. You know, baseball, I'll be the first to tell you, has that timeless history of America quality to it that I'll I'll wax poetic in our threads about every spring. How can you not be romantic about baseball? How can you not? How can you not? I mean, you, it's it's easy to not be romantic about this piece of shit World Series we're about to have. <laughs> I think I think that's what they're going for here. Has that hand painted thing? There's a little bit of like texture behind it. Um, when did this come out? Like in the in 2011 or 2012? I think I want to say like 05. I don't know, not that long ago. No, I, I feel like because I, I read it on my honeymoon that had to be 2012, and I thought it was like pretty new when when I read it. Yeah, that sounds but, accurate. 2012, 2011. I mean, the reason I say that is because around that time, like that was kind of like the the hipster storefront boom, where like every, at least in Philly, but I feel like maybe nationwide, at any of these like downtowns that were coming back on the on the heels of like breweries and like farm to table restaurants and stuff, everybody had a hand painted sign, hand painted typography. Really had a moment there, and I, and I feel like this is probably a along that same time frame. He came out so, September 2011, so you guys are right. There you go. Yeah, I mean, not that not that that's not timeless anyway. Yeah, I think it was it was of a moment, but it holds up still. And also, the art of fielding is a book in the book Art of Fielding, right? Yeah. So maybe it's supposed to look like the book that he's reading too. So it has kind of history. It does look a little it. to me like each capital letter could be the letter that you would put on a baseball cap to represent a city or a team. Yeah. How how was your vacation? It was great. I hadn't been to Asbury in a few years, and uh, we went to the Silver Ball Museum, and I'd never been there. That place, here's a free plug for all your listeners. Go to the Silver Ball Museum. Is that pinball, or what is that? 
it's predominantly pinball, but they also have uh, like old arcade games. I got to show the girls uh, the Simpsons arcade game. Nice. Which God only knows how many hours and quarters I put into that. Yeah. Over the course of my life, it's and the that, it's the exact same as the X Men arcade game and the Ninja Turtles arcade game. They're all the same game, but I, I love all three of them equally. Yes, exactly. You get to pick your favorite character. And they've all and they've gotten really into the Simpsons lately too, right? Especially Violet. Yes, they have. So it was a it was a nice surprise that this game was in there. I didn't want to set their expectations too high, but lo and behold, there it was. Did you all play as a family? Like you you were you were uh, Bart. Well, Le- he would be Homer. Lisa was presumably Lisa. Oh, that's where you're going. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, we had, she had she, Lisa volunteered to, to take Felix over to the ski ball machine. So mm. that was me. Violet does that's a pretty me. good Marge. I gotta say, have you heard her Marge impression? I don't think I have. She does a great march. She's got that naturally raspy voice. Really puts it to puts it to use. That's a tough voice to do. I don't think I could do a march impression. She can take it down the register and do Patty and Selma as well. Wow. Yeah. All right. Real young Julie Kavner. Is that, that is that because she's been smoking cigarettes or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we send her to the mines most days. Violet she's Bouvier got... with her pack of cigarettes. Yeah, she's got real real bad lungs. <laughs> right on. All right, so so then, uh, uh, what what about this? Uh, are are you Astros or are you Braves? Oh, I got to root against the Braves. Okay, always yeah. same, same, same. So, Plus, I've, I've I've turned the corner, and and now I like that the Astros are cheaters. All the vitriol is coming from the fans, because I think every other player on every other team knows that they fucking cheat too, and the Astros are just the team that got caught. Yep. maybe they were doing it like more brazenly and like with more technology than other teams, but like not for lack of creativity on anyone else's part well the frustrating thing about them is that like they've been really good after they stopped cheating so like they didn't need to cheat which makes it both like less infuriating and more infuriating right so or they're still cheating or they're still cheating yeah i mean i I also carry a pretty strong like fuck teams from texas five into all things anyway sure so it's like a this is as bad a matchup as you can possibly hope for it even even the the champion the league rounds all four of those teams just horrible fan bases and there's no heroes. Yeah, I was very, very. Uh, uh, I don't. I don't know what the word for it is. But when when I discovered that the Dodgers play "I Love L.A." by Randy Newman as their victory song every after every game, like that made me. I it's it's so stupid. Like how stupid could they possibly be? <laughs> yeah, but you get the impression that like Randy Newman probably loves that. Yeah, but it's just like they don't get that it's like that song is about how disgusting Los Angeles is. But I don't know. Yeah. Like, maybe they do love that. Maybe they like it. They're just like, yeah, we're scumbags. Yeah, I doubt it. There's no way they <laughs> that's already on the, 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 the chorus. All right, Matt, we need one more thing on the phone call. We need a verdict about the cover. It doesn't have to be, yeah, guilty or innocent or, you know, dismissed or whatever. What's your verdict on the cover for the art of fielding? Let's say uh, I'm trying to make like a baseball reference here. Safe at home. Uh, don't say that. That's dumb. Yeah, safe. Um, let's call it. Uh, let's call it high and tight. Okay. <laughs> All right. I like it. Like my haircut. Isn't that a haircut? Yeah, high and tight. Uh, yep. That's a military haircut. All right. Yeah. A Josh Brolin. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> All right. Well, you, you, uh, thanks, fellas. Have a good night. All right. See you later, Matt. Fantasy casting, we talked about this, this is a collaborative, but Henry, 
Tom, Tom Holland. Tom Holland going from pipsqueak to kind of jacked dude and playing the the difference between. Because we we were talking about this last night. You're like, who do you say is Henry? I'm like Tom Holland. You're like that's exactly who I thought. So like independently, we both came up with yeah. Tom Holland. Uh, Affenlight, George Clooney, right? Probably. Um, there are a couple other possible. Just examples. an older, handsome dude. Uh, Daniel Day Lewis, maybe. I said Oliphant. Yeah, I think he might be a little young, but he seems young. Even if he's not, he seems young. You know. 53. Yeah, but I don't just... Yeah. Born in Hawaii. I mean, 53 is still 10 years too young for the part, right? Clooney is 60. Yeah. Brad Pitt, 57. Yeah, Brad Pitt doesn't fit because he's too like... That's too like, hey, that's Brad Pitt. Like, yeah. he doesn't... It's it's like, why is that guest jeans model the president of our university? Sure. He doesn't, he doesn't fit into that at all. Although I had a teacher that was... Um, Hot when I was an undergrad, like he was a model, he was like unbelievably attractive. What do you teach? And he was also uh, English literature, and he was also um, he just retired this year, um, and he's like in his sixties, I think. So not you can only- Google him. Fuck it, his name's Brad Gooch. What a name! Yeah, he's 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 a uh, like American writer. Yeah, nice eyes. Like he's an unbelievably handsome man, and a great teacher. You had a, you had an idea for Mike Schwartz that's interesting. Uh, yeah, you gotta I I because I was trying to think of like almost every age appropriate actor is like some like CW clone. Yeah, they they all look the same. They all have the same body types, and none of those body types are like the hulking kind of type of of a uh, Mike Schwartz. So I think what you'd have to do is you would have to go to uh, either a professional athlete mm-hmm. or um, someone who is like a college athlete uh that was like a linebacker or something like that i was thinking about that because you we were talking yesterday about professional athletes i was thinking college athletes college athletes and i don't know how that would work with like the ncaa i don't know but yeah you can do you can have jobs you just can't play sports professionally i guess so yeah okay pella i was saying like anna kendrick but i think that is an easy part to play like anybody uh yeah my my mine was olivia cook yep and then owen you got any thoughts? I said Corey Hawkins. Uh, Corey Hawkins is, of course, like um, Dr. Dre from yeah, Dr. Dre Compton, uh, and and he was um, the cab dispatch guy in 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 the Heights, and he was also in uh, the King Kong movie. We have an email address lottery at cageclub.me if you want to send in thoughts about this book or any book. Just you know, again, doesn't have to be with the book we're, we're reading this time. Any book you want to email in lottery at cageclub.me. But your friend Egg, like I read the disclaimer earlier wrote in about the art of fielding. And she breaks this down by character. Okay, sort of like we did. Henry's just such a sweet kid, my heart broke every time anything bad happened to him. The biggest disservice Schwartz did to Henry was not to convince him, or was to not convince him, to get therapy after his throw knocked Owen in the head. When he slept with Pella, I was mainly disappointed and sad for him, but never angry or disgusted with him. Part of it could have been the fact that the narrator of the audiobook had a very sweet and innocent inflection for Henry's voice. Yeah, that makes sense. Schwartz might have been my favorite character in the book. When he was turning down the job, I actually found myself almost praying he'd take it, even though I knew he wouldn't. The most frustrating thing about him is that he didn't, parentheses, doesn't, see the value of his talent for coaching in spite of it being a rare gift. He's trying to, quote, have it all instead of playing to his strengths. Yeah, he's trying to achieve, uh, like, a much more typical American dream, right? Like, when we think of um, success quote-unquote success doctor, in America. lawyer yeah it's doctor lawyer and if you if you fall short and 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 not only that but like doctor lawyer from an ivy league yeah. or a stanford right and if you fall short of that then you're not the like that would have completed his arc from being like orphaned 
Chicago tough guy to like elite. Part of me is glad that he doesn't make that transition because uh, that transition is full of douchebags. Yeah. He would have hated it. You're your fucking JD Vances and whatnot. I don't know who that is. You're better off. I think he would have hated it. I think he would have gone back to Westish after. I don't even know if he would have graduated law school. Right. I loved Pella as a character. I think she provided a female perspective to counteract the prominent male gaze of the novel, particularly with how she sees Professor Eglantine. Right. That's yeah. We didn't talk about Professor Eglantine at all, but she's like an important side character. That that. Yeah. Talk about Professor Eglantine. She is uh, sort of uh, made fun of a little bit by the characters who, uh, when they're first introduced to Pella, they sort of are like, "Is that Professor Eglantine's girlfriend?" Like she's she's. Uh, stereotyped as a as a lesbian by the by the male characters even though there's no real evidence that that's the case um and she is a uh who pella is looking for as a mother figure and kind of wishes that her dad would get with yeah right and sees her out to dinner when she goes out with david and then her dad doesn't show up and then eglantine leaves and it's just like yeah yeah yeah. my favorite pella scene is the earring scene it's taking me back it's it's taking me a while to articulate why that's what we talked about before about the gaslighting sure yeah I think it's the fact that David probably spent most of their relationship gaslighting her into thinking she's crazy, then she decides to fight back in a crazy way. She took her agency back by swallowing that ear. I forgot about that. Yeah. I did too. By that acting like the scene. child yeah. she was before David started grooming her. And it worked. Yeah. Unless I'm misremembering, that's the last time we see David in the book. However, I will say the line in the scene about girls inherently knowing how to throw up, it got a big eye roll from me. <laughs> I would, yeah, I was thinking about that too. Uh, like that was kind of scary to me because I think I had the exact same reaction that David did, which is like swallowing an earring. Like what the fuck? Yeah. That's going to like really be bad for you. And then she just pukes it back up. But it's like, it's not like it's any safe for puking up an earring than no. it is swallowing an earring. You're I mean, it doesn't gonna... go through your digestive system, but like your trachea. Yeah, you're still, still going to get snagged. Your esophagus or whatever. On something like that. Doesn't Henry make himself vomit too the same way? Uh, by jamming a finger down his throat? I think so. I, I don't remember. Maybe. I want to say he does, but I don't remember. I think maybe because he eats and like, he doesn't feel good about eating and he wants to like get it out of his system. Yeah. I think, I don't know. I think Meg makes a good point though that we didn't, we talked about a little bit because we said that like maybe the book doesn't, necessarily need a female perspective it could just be the sports stuff but i think also like you get this with cormac mccarthy books too sometimes because cormac mccarthy doesn't really have female characters people complain about that but it's just like i don't know that i necessarily want cormac mccarthy's take on female characters because like he might be fucking terrible at it and then we have to and then that book is now saddled with this guy like veering off into some weird misogynist stereotyping when it's like if you don't do that then it's like that book might not have any female perspectives but at least it's like up front like this is like a masculine yeah just that and we don't have to yeah anyway you get what i'm saying Affin light is the only character i didn't like or resonate with but ironically the one i would have the most to say about I don't think it's an accident that we're shown David, the predator that groomed Pella into dropping out of high school, side-by-side side with Light, which we talked about a little bit earlier. Even though Owen's technically an adult, he's still an undergrad in a position of lower power than Athenlight. It was frustrating that for most of the book, Athenlight was going on and on about how he would not have been able to have this relationship with a female student, how it would have been inappropriate if it was a female student, but how since it's Owen, it's different. Then, when he gets caught, he starts thinking about how the school admins would not have given a shit if it was a female student, which we talked about earlier, and would have pushed it under the rug. Like, no, dude, you suck and it's wrong. <laughs> so I've never seen The Social Network, but that scene in the book made me think of the quote, you're going to go through You've life You've never thinking, seen The Social Network? Come on, Egg. You're going to go through life thinking that girls don't like you because you're a nerd and I want you to know from the bottom of my heart that that won't be true. It's because you're an asshole. Athenlight isn't punished because he's gay. He's punished because he's a predator. Yeah, that's true. 
Owen, this is how she ends her email, Owen's getting his little own subsection because he should have been one of the main characters. Instead, his entire purpose was a passive vehicle for the plot, which, again, is kind of true of Henry, too, right? Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't necessarily think that about Owen, but I thought that about Henry. I mean, I think that is true about Owen, but it's less, it's less of a big deal for me with Owen because Owen is like a, a sub-character. That dorm room just sucks all of the agency out of characters. Yeah. He didn't really have any agency as a character. Through him, Henry gets the yips and Athenite has an affair, but we never see anything through his eyes, so it feels like the plot is happening to him rather than him causing any action. Wow. She's saying exactly this is, what yeah, said about but, but, but um, yeah, everything that Meg thinks about Owen, I think about Henry. The death of Athenite seems to fix, quote-unquote fix, the other relationships in the books. It jumpstarts the forgiveness between, forgiveness between Pella, Schwartz, and Henry, but obviously it affected Owen in a deeper way than the rest, except for maybe Pella. I guess that part of it ties to his nickname of Buddha, but he's supposed to, that he's supposed to be above everything. And then by the funeral scene that he's really not, you see that he's really not. But I still think I'd have preferred to have some scenes through Owen's eyes, which I agree with, I said earlier. Like, yeah. I think he's too prominent to not know more about him. He doesn't have his own narrative sections at all, right? There, I don't think there's, so. there's nothing where we have close third on him. I think the closest thing we get is in the scene at the end when they're in the boat, we kind of shift perspective because they're all together. Mm-hmm. It was at the end of the email? It is. Thanks, Meg. Something that I, I I found really, really moving for some reason, and I'm not 100% sure why. It happens twice where Owen says to Henry, I think he says, you are skilled, we exhort you. And he says it to him twice, and it's just like, for some reason, that is really moving to me. I think Owen probably loves everybody, but I think he especially, like... He loves Henry. Yeah. Because he's also, like, he's physically and emotionally, not physically in, like, a sexual way, but like, just, like, he lives with him. Like, he's just closer to Henry. Yeah. So I think his his compliments to him and his you know interactions with him mean more because it's yeah and he is a balance to uh, he's the opposite end of Schwartz right like Schwartz sure. is this intense like on Henry all the time and Owen is much more like yeah uh, laid back and balanced and doesn't nothing gets to him any other thoughts about the art of fielding I don't think I do the path to thirty thousand starts here we're gonna have thirty thousand followers after this episode that's my that's the goal. On Twitter? No, not on Twitter. Fuck Twitter. Just 30,000 downloads. Unique downloads for each episode. So if you're listening to this... Um, go, go tell 3,000 people. Yeah, and go ahead and also write a, uh, a review. Do a, Give us a five-star review yep. on, on one of those uh, one of those websites. I wonder if anybody's done it, because you know, I think only Apple Podcasts lets you actually review things. But we're on Twitter at LotteryPod, patreon.com slash LotteryPod, lottery at cageclub.me, how to win the lottery everywhere. Um, incidentally, today's crime is Joey beating the shit out of a nerd at a concert. Keep reading. <laughs> someone's gotta say it, hell, I mean, things